Hello, this is Chris Kresser, and today we'll be mapping nutrient deficiencies on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy Series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons, which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in our clinical care. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Chris Kresser. Chris Kresser, MS, LAC, is the co-founder of the California Center for Functional Medicine, the founder of Kresser Institute, the host of the top-ranked health podcast, Revolution Health Radio, the creator of chriskresser.com, and the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Cure and Unconventional Medicine. He is one of the most respected clinicians and educators in the fields of functional medicine and ancestral health and has trained over 2,000 clinicians and health coaches in his unique approach. Chris was named one of the 100 most influential people in health and fitness by greatest.com and has appeared as a featured guest on the Dr. Oz, Time, The Atlantic, NPR, Fox and Friends, and other national media outlets. He has recently launched Adapt Naturals, a supplement line designed to add back in what the modern world has squeezed out and help people perform and feel their best. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hi, Andrea. Pleasure to be here. So we are talking about nutrient deficiencies today, and there's so much to explore. I'm wondering if we should begin by talking about why we even need to concern ourselves with these deficiencies, particularly when we're clinically working with clients or patients with unresolved health challenges. Yeah, well, it's a great question. And over 15 years of treating patients and training thousands of healthcare professionals around the world, I've really come to believe that maximizing nutrient density and the flip side being nutrient deficiency is the key issue of our time because we need over 40 micronutrients for the body to function optimally. And if we don't get enough of those nutrients, then things are going to start to break down. And when I say things, I mean everything <laughs> because every system, tissue, cell in the body requires nutrients to do what they're supposed to do. And the insidious part of this is that when you don't get enough nutrients, you don't die usually. The body doesn't stop functioning entirely. You just see a gradual decline of function over time. And that's really difficult for people to figure out because it's not like a big bright warning light comes on and starts flashing. It's a series of changes that happen over time that add up to this epidemic of chronic disease that we have. 
Yeah, we don't have that control panel which tells us which nutrients are going into the depletion mode before they I go there. I want that. I know. <laughs> I want that control panel. Who's going to invent that? Should we do it, Chris? It might be <laughs> <Maybe>. you and me. <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might be. So which nutrients in particular have you seen to be the ones that are playing the biggest role in these health challenges and I guess that we're most deficient in today? Well, of course, it varies from person to person. But if you look at statistics, we know that almost 100% of Americans don't get enough potassium, 94% vitamin D, 92% choline, 89% vitamin E. And then we got over half of Americans not getting enough vitamin K and magnesium, and then almost 50% calcium, vitamin A, and vitamin C. So those are just the essential nutrients, vitamins and minerals that we know about and that we know are critical to optimal function. But then we have a whole range of phytonutrients and plant compounds that research over the past decade or two have shown that you know they may not be absolutely essential for just staying alive, but if you want to be optimally healthy, they probably are critically important as well. And there aren't as many studies showing what the rates of deficiency are for those nutrients, but you know I suspect given the typical dietary patterns in the U.S., we can presume that many, if not most people, are deficient in those as well. And is it primarily the diet over time that's leading to these deficiencies, the soil? Are there other environmental factors that are kind of taking us in this direction of so many deficiencies? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I mean, the most obvious is the diet quality in the U.S. So as you know, 60% of the calories the average American consumes come from ultra-processed and refined foods. So these are foods that are like flour and industrial seed oils and sugar that are essentially devoid of micronutrients but are extremely calorie-dense. But even people who are following a relatively healthy diet can get into trouble. And as you alluded to, the issues there are changes in soil quality. In fact, the best way to think about that is the microbiome of the soil has been disrupted it's not necessarily that nutrients are not present in the soil anymore. It's that we can't extract them because of changes to the biome of the soil. So a good example of this is some studies suggest that we'd have to eat eight oranges today in order to get the same level of nutrients that our grandparents would have gotten from just eating one orange. So not small changes. And we see it across the board with nutrients like magnesium and vitamin C and iron, B12, the various B vitamins. There are studies both in the UK and the US that show a gradual but persistent decline in the nutrient value of produce in the US and the UK. So that's one reason. Another reason is the rise of chronic diseases. So chronic disease actually increases the demand for nutrients. So the amount of nutrients that we would need if we were fully healthy is different than what we need if we're in a chronic disease state. And we know that six of 10 Americans have a chronic disease and four in 10 have multiple chronic diseases. So we can say that most people need even more nutrients than they needed before, and that's exacerbating the problem. And then I would say the third major factor is the growing toxic burden. So we have an increase in toxins in the food supply like heavy metals and glyphosate, which interfere with the digestion and absorption of nutrients even when they are present in the foods that we eat. So you really have a confluence of factors that are leading to this. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's a matrix, right? And I love how you're talking about it because it's not just one thing and we can't supplement it away. We have to look through the fact that everything's connected. We're all unique and all the things, all the things matter. They do. Let me give you one example of how difficult this can be to piece out. So as you know, there's the recommended dietary allowance. And this is the RDA. This is what most studies are based on and that look at nutrient sufficiency is like, is somebody consuming the recommended dietary allowance of that particular nutrient? But there are several problems with using the RDA as the designated amount that we need for a particular nutrient. The main one is that the RDA was only ever designed to establish the amount of nutrient that you need to avoid an acute disease state. So that's like scurvy for vitamin C, right? Or rickets. It's not the amount that we need to maintain optimal function which and extend your, your lifespan and health span, which is what most of your listeners are interested in. That amount is much higher for most nutrients. And, you know, a really good example of this too is magnesium, where it's off now. When it was originally established, it was accurate because it's based on body weight. And so the RDA was calculated based on an average body weight for a male and female about 50 years ago. But since then, the average body weight has gone up dramatically and the RDA was not adjusted. And so in a recent study, researchers went back and they adjusted the RDA for magnesium based on current average body weights And they found that based on that new RDA, the typical average adult American is consuming 200 to 300 milligrams less per day of magnesium than they need. That's not a small amount. No, that's a lot. Wow, that's really fascinating. So again, a confluence of factors that include the state of our bodies inside and out today versus when studies might have been done, RDAs might have been determined, how we even thought about nutrients. Yeah. So the previous RDA for men was 420 milligrams a day for magnesium and 360 for women. The revised one is between 575 and 660 milligrams per day combined for men and women. So we are talking about massive differences. And That's just one example. You know, I could give you similar examples for B12, B6, iron, vitamin D. You know, let's talk briefly about vitamin D. We now know that there really should be an individual range for vitamin D that's based on all of the factors that determine vitamin D absorption and assimilation. So, for example, some people are much more efficient at converting sunlight in their skin to vitamin D, whereas other people, particularly those who are obese and those who have chronic health conditions, don't do that very well. And so that person may need 10,000 IU a day just to maintain a normal level, whereas somebody else could maintain a normal level with you know just 2,000 IU per day or even getting adequate sun exposure. So I feel like we're pretty far behind right now in terms of how we talk about nutrient sufficiency and deficiency. What I've learned in my research is that the published statistics, as scary as they are when it comes to nutrient deficiency, are actually way underestimating the rates of nutrient deficiency. So fascinating. And also, you know, just thinking about that kind of continuum, I like to think about it as deficiency to sufficiency. The other side of that is toxicity. Are there 
nutrients that are moving into the quote unquote toxic arena because of their relationship with each other, because of nutrients relationship with each other, where we might be deficient in one and then we become oversufficient in another. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Fitzgerald, who we both know, talks a lot about this in terms of the sodium potassium ratio, right? So humans are the only mammals in which that ratio goes way out of whack. People tend to get more sodium than they need. And as I said before, almost 100% of Americans get less potassium than they need. And so that can cause all kinds of problems in the body because of how sodium potassium affects cellular physiology and balance. And so that's one example. I would say another one is the relationship between calcium and vitamin D and vitamin K2. People don't get enough calcium in the diet, but calcium is one of the most popular supplements. And so a lot of people end up supplementing with high doses of calcium. They don't have enough vitamin A or vitamin D or vitamin K2, all of which play a role in regulating calcium balance and kind of reducing the toxicity threshold of calcium. And so you get people with you know, increased calcification of their arteries or kidney stones or problems like that because their calcium balance is really out of whack. So those are two examples. I would say another is tocopherols, which are the you know most commonly known form of vitamin E. And again, it's not a problem if you're eating just vitamin E rich foods, you're not going to overdose on vitamin E, but a lot of people take alpha tocopherol as a supplement. It's the most common form of vitamin E in multis. And studies have shown that that actually may increase the risk of heart disease and various forms of cancer when you take high doses of alpha tocopherol over the long term. So it's a great question because, you know, the solution is not always more, more, more. It's making sure you're getting enough of the right forms of the right nutrients based on your needs. Yeah, so important, that individualized approach. And what I love that you're talking about there is where some of this information is available to us through regular old serum lab panels, which I believe we overlook too much in our quest for the route that we think we're going to find in some other testing. And also bringing us back to, I'm going to say the basics, even though food isn't basic or food change isn't necessarily basic, but thinking through quality, quantity, diversity, timing for each individual, because it sounds to me like we can't supplement our way out of this. That's exactly right. Like I think of it like a pyramid. So the foundation of the pyramid is a nutrient-dense whole foods diet. That's just a mandatory requirement. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter what other supplements you take or what else you do you're basically starting at the negative 50 yard line. <laughs> you know, you're not even on the playing field if you're not doing that. You know, that's a whole nother podcast, of course, to go into detail there. But I think a lot of your listeners are going to know what we're referring to here. Basically, you want to optimize the nutrient density of every bite of food you put in your mouth. But it's not just the nutrient density for you as the human host. It's also the nutrient density for the microbes that live in your gut. There are certain foods that we don't utilize, you know, like fiber, for example, but the microbes in our gut can utilize them and turn them into energy and short-chain fatty acids and all kinds of other good stuff that we need. So even though that's not necessarily nutrient-dense for us, it's nutrient-dense for our gut microbes. Having said that, and this is where 
frankly, my view has evolved over time. And in a perfect world, we'd be able to meet all of our nutrient needs through food. And I think that may still be possible for a limited number of people in a limited number of cases. But having run now hundreds and hundreds of nutrient panels and had read over hundreds of chronometer and other you know, nutrient tools where people carefully track their own diet, I've just come to see that because of all the challenges that we mentioned earlier in the episode, many people are going to need at least some form of supplementation to maintain adequate nutrient levels. But that has to come on top of that bottom layer of the pyramid. It's so interesting. It's really similar, Chris, to I think about it as tiers, right? So tier one are the non-negotiables, that base of the pyramid, like you're talking about. Tier two is deficiency to sufficiency, right? So understanding where are there deficiencies or oversufficiencies? What are we looking at there that helps us come into that place of balance? So, so much synergy, which I already knew we had, but so <laughs> nice to think of it here in this realm what else can we be doing or thinking about as practitioners in considering this realm of nutrient deficiency? Well, I think finding ways to help patients and clients maximize nutrient density is really important because people are busy, people get easily distracted, and you know, we have to kind of make it as turnkey as possible. So I've always used handouts and you know, we have various programs and of course, working with a nutritionist. If you are a nutritionist, that's great. If you're a physician or a clinician that works with a nutritionist on staff, that can be extremely helpful. You know, my patients are very sophisticated. Typically, they don't just come in off the street, <laughs> you know, they're well-educated. And still, even with that, I found that working with a nutritionist can be really, really helpful in dialing in those finer details and just making sure that their various nutrient needs are getting covered. Yeah, and making sure that when we are adding those supplements that we're thinking about the quality there. Is there anything you can share about considering supplement quality? Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> that's probably, yeah, that's another two or three shows, but you know, <laughs> I might have I, to I mean, do those, yeah, Chris. You, you know this very well. Like most supplements on the market are garbage. They're just made with cheap synthetic ingredients, the things that are not well absorbed, you know, not the form of the nutrient that's typically found in food or that our bodies are familiar with and able to process effectively. And then, you know, even with supplements that are higher quality they fall well short of the even the RDA, which as we've established is too low itself. So they're not providing the amount that's needed for optimal function. They're not designed to emulate the nutrient intakes that we would get from an optimal ancestral diet. They just have sort of almost randomly selected profile of nutrients that's not in any way emulating what we would get from a whole foods diet. And it's an industry that there's a lot of money being made. And so there are a lot of people that enter into that industry without the right background for really designing and curating a supplement to be maximally effective based on research and clinical experience. You know, there are a lot of corners that are cut. And I feel bad for the average consumer because, you know, I mean, you've had this education, I've had this education. It's taken me decades to learn what I've learned you know, the average consumer, especially 
when they're subject to all of the marketing that goes into these supplements, I can't imagine how they're able to make decisions about what products to buy. So it's a little bit perilous actually for people. And I know this because every person who's come to see me over the past 15 years, I ask them to bring in their supplements with them to the appointment. And, you know, usually people come in with shopping bags full <laughs> of products. And when I look at the products, I often cringe. You know, it's like, oh my God, you've been taking this for five years. Oh no. Yeah. And they know? don't even know why oftentimes. They can't even remember why they're taking it. Exactly. It's a patchwork, right? It's like their aunt told them about it and she had great results. So they started taking that. And then their, you know, one practitioner told them and and sometimes these are supplements that are only designed to be taken for a short period of time, right? You know, to correct an imbalance and then stop. So it's a mess. And, you know, in 15 years uh, is something I've always wanted to address, but I'm finally now turning my attention to this. And it's, I'm really excited about it because I think there's a real opportunity for just clear evidence-based guidance in this area. Fantastic. We will link to all the exciting details of your new product line in the show notes. And Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. What a fun conversation and such an important one. Andrea, it's a pleasure always to speak with you. Thanks for having me on. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your client's issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.